Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho. This is a podcast about creativity for the creative in you, no matter where you are on your journey, established, new, returning, mid-career, wherever you're at, this is the conversation for you. We talk every week about a different aspect of what everything pertaining to being a creative but for the last well now four episodes we've been talking about money and there's been a part of me it's just thinking do I really need to say all of this does this all need to be said but I think because it is such a big part of what we do I think it does so to start with we talked about kind of just checking the lay of the land how do we feel about money how do we relate to it as a creative So I'm recording at home, so you'll hear the odd uh, car and stuff whizzing by outside. And of course, the tube that runs under my, my yard. So there you go. Remember, next time you view a property to stay there more than 10 minutes. <laughs> well, it's not like every property has a tube underneath it, but there you go. Anyway, um, so the next episode was about investing. How do we invest in ourselves? And that included talking about working for free. And then I walked you through what I would propose as the ways to prepare and execute on a conversation around money you know like if you're having to negotiate and this time we talk about all right so what happens when you got the money yeah you've earned it well there's a step before it's receiving it so let's start there one of the many challenges 
of being a creative, we're running businesses essentially, is our accounts receivable or, you know, I'm not sure what they call them in a business, but getting the money in. Now, not every person who hires you is going to be a great payer. I am still really ticked off with someone who didn't pay me for a gig I did like years ago. It's still sitting in my unpaid invoices box, but I decided to let it go. But it is really frustrating or it can be when people don't pay on time. So as um, people who are running our own business, I'm talking about you folks who are being creatives as a profession or generating an income, let's say, because it may not be your main source of income. But as if money's coming in, then chasing invoices or receiving payment is something that you're going to have to deal with. And it can be very frustrating sometimes. So here's a few things that I suggest to be able to ease that and make that a little bit sort of smoother running. The first thing I would say is to keep track. This sounds so obvious to some of you guys. You're like, keep track? Of course I keep track. Not everyone does that. Some people just keep a mental note of who owes them what. And that's not going to cut it. If you really want to get some financial mastery going on, you need to start tracking who owes you what. When was that job done? How much do they owe you? And what are their payment terms? When are they going to pay you? Because then you can just relax until that payment term has lapsed. Because a lot of people, I think they don't realize that especially big organizations have quite lengthy payment terms. What, what do I mean by that? So I mean the terms by which they have agreed that they will fulfill on invoices. So you may write on your invoice payment due immediately, but their payment terms might be 60 days. Right. So they may have to go through a whole pay, you know, pay cycles or whatever, two pay cycles before they honor invoices. It's a way of keeping money in the business. But you did the job. You probably had a contract and it probably did say on it what their payment terms were. So part of keeping track is knowing what that is, because I've heard uh, about freelancers who basically harangue accounts departments when they're not outside of their payment terms. They ha- the, the payment isn't due. It's not old yet. But then they've started getting all antsy with them. My kids aren't going to eat, da, 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 da. you know, all this sort of stuff. Don't do that. Know the payment terms. And that leads me on to the other point is like, be professional when you are chasing money. The hardship that their lack of payment is putting you in is not their business. And I don't mean to say that it's not their fault because if they had paid you, but it's not their business. Don't tell them that stuff. It makes you look like really thirsty. So just be professional and say, listen, this was due on this date. This is what we agreed. Tell me, let me know when this payment will be made. So come to a new agreement if the payment has lapsed about when the money is going to be paid by them. Because then, you know, all right, I relax until April the 1st, which is when they said they're now going to make the payment. And then if it goes beyond that, then that's when you have to start looking at, you know, selling the debt and, you know, legal actions and all the rest of it, if it starts to get out of hand. But for the most part, people do honor, do pay. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with shady businesses and when they're not, because you can tell in the run up. But I've done stuff for legitimate production companies. And sometimes the payment has taken six months to come through and it's frustrating as hell. But that means that we have to get ourselves financially organized so that late payments don't mean that we don't have food on the table. But we'll come to that in a sec. The other thing to say is obviously to make sure your invoices are really clear. And if they have specific requirements for what they need your invoice to say, make sure that you do that. So read that information properly. 
you might want to have a spreadsheet. I know some people just like wince at the idea of uh, all that and it feels terribly corporate, but actually spreadsheets can be simple. They can be super complex, but they can also be really simple. So maybe create a spreadsheet to keep track. Also, many um, small businesses and sole traders use software to manage their invoicing, like Xero or something like that, X-E-R-O. So find a way that works for you so that you can manage it so that you can. And the reason I'm saying all of this is so that you can remove concern about this from your headspace and get on with the business of being a creative. We don't want to be so caught up in running the business that we don't actually get to be the business. So find ways that work for you in terms of chasing money. Again, this is where, and we talked about this in the last episode, agents can be really beneficial because obviously they're doing all that chasing for you. The price, a commission. So um, that's a call for you to make as to whether you feel like, because some people genuinely feel like, you know what, I'm actually better off without an agent. For me personally, I'm not, but some people don't see value in what the agent brings. But for me, Aside from the fact that they get me work and they facilitate that process, they also take a lot of this type of stuff off my plate. And so just lastly, just in terms of this chasing money thing, just be patient. And also, I think just as an energetic thing to get paid quickly, pay quickly. So if you are in a position where you are hiring individuals, specifically individuals to do to provide services or, or products for you, pay quickly, pay on time, because that energetic exchange will serve you well. It will boost your integrity, not for anybody else other than just for yourself. When I get um, an invoice from somebody, I try and pay it that week. Sometimes I'll just pay it on the day because at the end of the day, it's not your money. You've agreed something. Most times if they're invoicing, they've already provided the service. So it's not really your money. So it shouldn't really be in in your account any longer than it needs to be. Let's talk about when you get the money. I'm going to say the B word. Do you know what I'm going to say? Budget. Budgeting. Again, for some of you, this is going to be like, oh, let me fast forward this. Budgeting. Who doesn't budget? A lot of people, you guys, a lot of people don't budget. And Martin Lewis could be red in the face. For those not in the UK, he's like our sort of celebrity financial advisor to to the whole country. But he could tell you to budget till he's blue in the face, but some of you will not do it. I say, if you do not budget, you are keeping yourself perpetually in a state of low level anxiety about money. And if you do not budget, you are more invested in keeping yourself in that state of anxiety than you are in being financially literate. Let me say that again. If you don't budget, you are more invested in staying in a state of low level anxiety than you are in being financially literate. Budgeting doesn't have to be a big deal. You know, some people do budgeting in their head and I'm not going to say that that's not a legit way of doing it, but I would say write it down because I think writing it down, things become more real when they're written down. Things become more real when they're spoken into being, you know, so I would say if you've never done this before, or if you haven't done it for a while and you feel like your, your finances are going a little wayward, 
then write some stuff down. Let me just walk you through what I would suggest. First of all, uh, I would start with the things that are kind of a bit more fixed and, and move outward from there. So the things that are going to be fixed, I've got five pots in, in what I would say would, would be the areas that you need to look at in terms of your budget. So the first pot is living expenses. These are the things where like things like rent and um, utility bills, things like that. Second is like known luxuries. So they're things where mm, you, you like having them a lot, but you could live without them. The third pot is tax. Okay. <laughs> the fourth pot is disposable income. And I think a lot of people either don't know what this figure is in their life or they have misled themselves as to what that figure is. Right. So let's talk about each of those pots. So the, the living costs, the non-negotiables, the rent, your utilities, everything that there's no two ways about it. You have to pay this. So, so, so for example, if you've got a car on a lease or whatever, I would call that a living expense, especially if you need your car for work, right? So say you're a comedian or a performer who drives up and down the country, paying back for the car is non-negotiable because you probably won't be able to have the flexibility in terms of the jobs that you do if you don't have the car. So all those living expenses, how much do you pay for them monthly? Know that number because that is the bare minimum and add food to that as well. That is the bare minimum you need to survive without having any social stuff, any Netflix or whatever subscriptions and things that you've got yourself into without going to play five-a-side football, without a gym membership. These are the things I have to have to live, right? And this is how much they cost me. And then those known luxuries are things like, like I say, you could, you could live without them, but you don't want to. Like, for example, I would say some some professional subscriptions, like ec- your equity membership, if you're an actor, you could live without that. You don't have to be a member of equity, but it comes with certain benefits. You don't have to have a Netflix subscription, but you like it. <laughs> I like having a Netflix subscription. But if I, my back was against the wall financially, it could go, right? Now let's talk about tax. This feels like it should be a whole episode in its own right, guys. But plan for tax. Thadia Graham, who gave some great advice in the last episode, said, separate out your tax money. That was one thing, one of the most important things her dad passed on to her in terms of financial management is separate out your tax money. Not enough people do that. And so the tax bill comes as a, what, 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 what's this? It should never be a surprise to you because it's calculatable. So why are you allowing it to become a surprise? If you know this expense is coming, your rent is never a surprise. Your mortgage is never a surprise. You're like, they're charging me that again. I paid it last month. No. And it's the same with the tax. It's like, they charged me, they charged me for tax last year. Why have they charged me again? Right? So separate out. So every time you earn, put a certain percentage aside to be for tax. I break out my accounts into separate accounts so that I can, I can just literally move money into that account. I know it's tax. Because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, without sort of going into my financial history, I'm paying tax at a level where I can't have surprise tax bills because I, you know, I won't be able to <laughs> wrangle that money that straightforwardly. So I have to have been planning for it from jump from when I started receiving that money. And just like paying suppliers fees, the tax money is not your money. Give unto Caesar, right? I feel very strongly for myself. You do you, but I feel very strongly for myself. As soon as uh, my tax bill comes, I get it paid because it was never my money. 
So even when, you know, during lockdown and they were giving us these incentives and tax, uh, not holidays, but extensions and stuff like that, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And I'll tell you why is because I don't want to start thinking of this money as mine when it ain't. So I pay my tax bill as quickly as I can, but I can do that because I've already saved the money. I'm not having to suddenly find it because this unexpected bill has come in. Tax is not unexpected. We know tax is certain, same as death. That's right. (laughs) So plan for it. And that is another investment you can make in yourself is just getting a little bit of, if not hiring an accountant, then getting some tax advice or just putting aside a certain percentage, put aside 15, 20% of what comes in. And that's bound to be enough to cover your tax bill so that when it comes, you might even end up with a little bit extra. And then, and only then after those three pots have been taken care of, so living expenses, known luxuries and tax, then you get your disposable income figure. That is the amount of money that you can spend on stuff. That's the money that you can start to appropriate, say, oh yeah, I'd like to invest in myself. And I know because I've got a thousand pounds of disposable income every month or whatever it may be, that if I'm careful, I can buy that new microphone. I can buy those acrylics that I've been wanting to get my hands on, you know, or I can buy that new sewing machine for my, you know, my dressmaking company or whatever. But until you know what that figure is, you can't make sound judgments about those investments. You don't know whether you're plunging yourself into major league debt by starting to spend that money if you don't know what you have that's disposable. So knowing that disposable income figure is critical to having financial literacy. And so you're saying like, Andy, but uh, you said five pots. You're damn right I did. The fifth pot is savings. This isn't going to be possible for everybody. I get that. We're all in different places in terms of our financial situation. But some financial advisors would argue that one should consider your savings to be part of your living costs so that your disposable income is calculated after the savings are accounted for, not before. So you don't get your disposable income number and then go, "Mm, all right, how much of this would I like to save? No, no, no. You go, I'm saving. Now how much is left? Ooh, what? Yeah, some people are living that kind of lifestyle. And this isn't to do with having loads of money. This is to do with preparing themselves for their future. Yo, this is SK Shlomo and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osho. Creative Source. But listen, let's see what you guys have to say about this. So we have a comment here from from Martin. So Martin says he was watching Hitchcock's Rear Window this weekend. Jimmy Stewart in the lead role plays a photographer and makes a comment along the lines of never having more than one month's salary in the bank. And it struck a chord for Martin. He says, for the last 10 years, uh, the idea of having savings, investments, or or basically being able to think about financial security for more than a few weeks ahead has often seemed an impossible dream. And he's come from a fairly frugal background, he says, and he spent many years working in financial services, which meant that sometimes he found it hard not to think that he was getting it wrong. But lately, he's found it easier to accept the more hand-to-mouth nature of any kind of self-employment. Um, but it takes a lot of shaking the embodied discomfort of regularly not um, having much cash to hand. And there is a lot in there to to unpack because for the self-employed person, the 
experience of being hand to mouth is very, very real. We don't have to stay there though, but it is a real part of, or it can be a real uh, experience in, in what we're doing. And uh, not having more than a month's worth of money in the bank. I mean, certainly when I started out, when I was, you know, working on these reception desks and doing these survival jobs, I literally only sometimes had maybe two weeks worth of money. So basically I was in a situation where in two weeks time, I would be broke unless I generated money now. Now that is quite a, a, it's kind of, I was exhilarated by the opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity. It's like, oh yeah, it's kind of a game. And I, I, I was a little bit sort of nervous about it, but it was also kind of, uh, all right, how can I make this work to sort of treat it like a game? But it does get to the point where that's not sustainable, but it's not so much even being in that situation. It's how we feel about it. Because what Martin's basically saying is he's come to terms with that right now, that's what his financial situation looks like. But it's not always going to look like that. And that from here, see, I think there's something very powerful about being able to be okay with how things are, but knowing that we have ambitions to change them. Because I think some people do worry about when when they're advised to just be okay with how things are, be present, you know, just accept that things are as they are, because they think that means and that they will always be that way or that they will never change or that you must be apathetic now. That's not what Martin's saying in his comment. He's saying he's learning to accept that there is a degree of hand-to-mouthness in the life of a self-employed person. And seeing that means that so much is possible from there because he's present to what's really so, but is now open, I would say, to what's possible. Because the only way you can't really create is when you haven't really um, accepted where you're at. You can't, how can you generate money if you don't even know whether you're in debt or not, Right. How can you, how can you ask for a particular fee if you don't know what the market rate is? So you have to know what's so to be able to use it as a springboard to create what you want. You guys, thank you as always for your support. I'm not going to do a big spiel about Patreon and Acast and Cameo this time. But listen, what I will say is if the, if you uh, run a business and you would like your sponsorship messages read on the podcast, that is something I can do. We could definitely talk about that because this show doesn't currently have any sponsors and I would love to have a business sponsor this show. So if that's something that you feel like you would be interested in doing, definitely get in contact. So we've got this money. We've started to really be responsible in terms of how we plan. Oh, just one other thing to add about planning is to take a moment to find out what your legitimate business expenses are. Because I think this is another thing that freelancers are a little bit lost around is that they don't know what they can claim as an expense. So you have a gross profit that you make every year, but you also have expenses that can be deducted from that profit. And that it's the um, net profit that you make that you'll be taxed on. So it makes a huge difference. It's a little bit complicated because it's not just a straightforward thing of, say, for example, if you bought a computer, you might not be able to write the whole thing off 
um, for tax purposes because you're using it for other things, but you could write off a percentage of it. Even living costs, if you're using a certain part of your home to run your business, that can also be written off. You need to check what the rules are in the country that you live in. And in America, obviously the state that you live in, because there may may be nuances and differences between each state. Um, And there certainly will be from country to country. Uh, One of the Uh, kind of sticking points in the UK and maybe elsewhere is what people who are front of camera can uh, claim in terms of like clothes and makeup. And it turns out I've discovered that we can't claim anything unless we buy an item of clothing or a piece of makeup that is specifically only going to be used on camera. Well, I don't think any of us, unless we are a certain type of performer, like say a figure skater or something like that, none of us can claim that, oh, I'm never going to wear this dress (laughs) like to a party or I'm never going to use this makeup when I'm just going out and about. So unfortunately we can't claim that stuff. But anyway, that's just an aside. I just wanted to add that because knowing what expenses we can claim is also a part of financial maturity and literacy. So once we've planned our money, then we can start to think, right, well, what does my future look like as a creative? Now, if you are employed and if you are very, very sensible, like say, for example, my older brother, Zeke, you will have gotten a a pension a long time ago because you know that the state pension probably ain't going to cut it. I don't know what the state pension is like where you live, but in the UK, you ideally want a bit more cash than the government is able to offer. And that's now that's a whole other conversation as to whether it's the right amount or not. But the fact remains that you're probably going to want to have some pension pot that you can draw on. If you're a creative, it is unlikely that you will have that pension pot. You're not going to have the financial security that being salaried with a pension is going to give you. So what the hell can you do? Well, one of the things that you can do is have your intellectual property, your IP, be your pension. What's IP? Intellectual property. Well, that's anything that you create. So if you're a musician, your original compositions, your recordings of you on original compositions or any, you know, any music recording, any musical performance recording. If you're an actor, it could be your appearances on TV shows and the subsequent royalties and residuals that you get from that. If you're a writer, Again, it's the royalties that you get from whatever you've written, might be a screenplay, might be a book, whatever it is. If you're, if you create artwork, it's copywriting those images, right? And what we need to do with this intellectual property is make sure that we protect it. It's very difficult at the moment for artists because stuff gets nicked all the time and social media does not help whatsoever. I mean, I try my best not to use other people's images, but every now and again, I sort of forget myself and I'll share a photo. I don't have the rights to that photo, but I do my best, like, especially with music and things like that. I try and use either copyright free or royalty free music, or I use it via a platform that allows you to use copyrighted music. You know, so like, for example, in Instagram, when you add music on a story, that's allowed as opposed to you, it's weird, isn't it? But you, if you took that music from iTunes, you ripped the protection off it and then put it on a video, that's stealing, <laughs> even though it's the same music. But anyway, Maybe because um, through uh, uh, through Instagram, the artist will be paid, whereas if you rip it, they won't. Anywho, 
Point is protect your intellectual property, generate it if you so feel moved to. I don't want to tell people to start, all right, paint a painting just for the sake of it or create IP just for the sake of it. But that is how we as artists can have intellectual property that can be somewhat of a pension for us. Because unless you start one now, And, you know, as you get older and older, a pension becomes more and more and more expensive to the point where it's prohibitively expensive. You know, for somebody like me, it's not worth, (laughs) it just would not be worth me starting a pension now. I'm better off backing myself and hoping that my IP is worth enough in the future that it provides me with a pension or provides me with a passive income. Because that's what a pension is. It's, that's that's your passive passive income. And what we want to be constantly doing is thinking about how uh, what we're doing can generate income for us, passive income, so that we're not having to constantly work for all the money we earn. But listen, it's time to get some more bite-sized advice. And this time it is from my dear, dear friend, Lucien Msamati. Money. <laughs> The comedian, Eddie Griffin, in one of his bits, talks about buying a $45 bottle of, uh, <laughs> of champagne from Costco, which I, which I guess is the low-cost uh, supermarket chain in America. And he's surrounded by friends who are like, what's wrong with you, man? Why, you know, you're, 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 you're a rich man. Why, why are you spending $45 on a bottle when you could buy, you know, Ace of Spades or whatever? And he turns to them and says, well... That's exactly how I stay rich. I buy one glass and I'm high and I maintain or some such. I know it's a very cack-handed way of telling the joke, but basically live within your means. That's what it is. Just because you have more, it doesn't mean you should spend more, even though it feels counterintuitive. Just because you uh, have less, it does not mean that the quality of your, of your life is less. Every paycheck that comes in, cut it in half straight away. Have your current account and have a savings account. Put the money aside because the tax man is going to come and get you. You know that the tax man will. And sometimes put more aside, put three quarters aside. The less there is in your current account, the less likely you are to spend on it. It also means that every time you go into your savings account, you know that you're digging into (laughs) a supply And so you best be sure that what you're spending it on, unless it's to pay off tax bills, unless it's to put down a deposit on on a home if you can afford it, unless it's to put down a deposit on on a vehicle if that's what you're after. But don't do it for a pair of shoes. I don't mean to get down on anybody's choices in life. But the things that are worthwhile are always going to be there. You don't have to have them now. Live within your means. The people who matter to you are not going to think any less of you because of your shoes or because of your clothes. You guys, seriously, what, what, isn't that what I was saying? Separate counts. Lucian speaks the truth. So that was the fabulous Lucian Imsamati, who you will have seen in Game of Thrones and Black Earth Rising and uh, number one ladies detective agency. I mean, just so much stuff. And he's a a regular at the National Theatre. He's been in some incredible um, plays there as well. He's a great, great actor and a really fabulous person and a great friend. I love the story about Eddie Griffin because what I wanted to end the, uh, this with is just talking about what happens when you get loads of money, because even though they are first world champagne problems, lots of money brings lots of problems. 
Having money is expensive. What do I mean by that? Well, you will start to have to get services to help you manage that money. And I'm not talking about being a millionaire. I'm talking before then, because even the first step might be you have to now start getting an accountant or, you know, your tax profile starts to get quite complicated. So you need someone who can work through the ramifications for you so that you can do tax management, not tax avoidance, tax management. So, so actually having um, a lot of money can bring with it a degree of problems. Now there are problems that a lot of people think, yeah, I want those problems. It's not, well, we'll see, we'll see. So you might become, uh, you know, you might become so successful that you start to receive, you know, big fees, big salaries, big income, but that doesn't mean that you have to spend it all. And I think this is where, you know, in a previous episode, I was talking about Uh, using it as an example, folks who win big on the lottery and then just end up spending it all within a few years and end up not just back where they started, but sometimes in a worse financial situation. Because how we are about money, it plays out however much we've got. If we've got this attitude that money always trickles through my fingers, I can't hold on to it. That will happen when you don't have money, but it'll also happen when you do. Because there's a lot of people I know who they really struggle to hang on to money. So they're great at generating opportunity, great at earning money, but holding on to it. Oof, that's another story because that is a story that they have about money. So just to, um, you really just bring it into the home straights about money. One idea that I, uh, really encourage you to take on board or consider is something that I took from this Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And you know, from previous episodes, you'll, you'll know that I really, really espouse this as a, a great piece of um, work to look at, to gain some financial literacy in your own life and just learn about your relationship with money. Basically, the principle that he was sharing is that we have two sets of things that we can spend our money on. One is liabilities and one is assets. And he said that middle class folks and people who are after security tend to acquire liabilities. What does he mean by that? Well, he's talking about things like we buy stuff, essentially. We buy cars, we buy big televisions for small living rooms. You know, we uh, go on expensive holidays. We buy, we buy, we buy, but very little of our income is spent on assets. What does he mean by assets? He means things that will earn us money. They could be savings facilities, uh, investment facilities, you know, like bonds and hedge funds and things like that. I know that they've got bad reputation and I haven't got a hedge fund, but I assume that, you know, the, the good people have hedge funds too. But anyway, the point is, is that assets, even if it's investing in a piece of art, assets generate an income for us. They work passively on our behalf. An asset could be your ISA. You know, that's money that you put into it, but actually it earns you interest. An asset is your home, especially if you, you know, do a refurb or something like that. So I really encourage you to have a look in your life and see where the balance is between liabilities and assets. Because I say that the people that are uh, sort of financially secure have a healthy amount of assets in their life. They've got money that is earning money for them, or they've got, uh, you know, investments that are generating money for them rather than just acquiring loads of stuff. 
when you see rich people with loads of stuff, they most likely still have loads of assets, but they've also got loads of money so that they can afford to buy this stuff. And this, you know, Lucien's story about Eddie Griffin living within his means uh, and not even living within his means, it's just being frugal. It's just like, the, if you want to really have wealth that you can pass on to generations who follow you in, in, within your family or however that works, that comes from being frugal. It doesn't come from demonstrations of being rich, buying fancy things, trappings, whatnot, whatnot. It comes from making sound investments, even if it's just saving. I mean, saving is the worst type of investment at the moment because there's no interest. You don't get any interest on it, but it's better than spending it. Better that you save 500 quid than you spend 500 quid on a pair of trainers. You know, some people are like, trainers cost 500 quid. Like some people are paying 500 quid for a pair of trainers. Not me, mate, but um, you get what I'm saying. And there's nothing wrong with spending money on trainers. But the point is, if you've got 500 quid, it will mean more and give you more by being invested than being spent on something that, that depreciates the minute it leaves the store. Caveat. When some big name celebrities bring bring out shoes and things like that, some people buy them or put them on order the minute they know that this is available and that they can put it on order and they pay the $500 or whatever it is for it. When the shoe hits the shop, they sell it because the shoe inevitably sells out. They sell that shoe for $1,000 or $2,000 because everyone wants their Yeezys, right? So that is a way in which buying the shoe can be an investment. But who's doing that? Hmm? How many people are thinking in that way when they think about buying these things, right? So that is the last thing I wanted to add just in terms of when you have money, when you're, when you're well off or you, you know, your, 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 your account is healthy. But the most important thing to remember in all of this is that your success is not tied to your bank balance. It is not a reflection of your success. Your success is defined by you and you alone. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with financial reward. If for you, the goal was just to be able to create your art and you are doing that, you, my friend, are winning. Your happiness does not have to be tied to what's in your bank account. I've mentioned this before, but studies have shown there's a certain upper limit in terms of income beyond which your happiness will not increase. And it's about 50 to 75,000 pounds, you know, so that your basic needs are taken care of. Beyond that, your happiness will not increase. So there is not a correlate necessarily between your bank balance and your happiness. And if you are saving that money, have it be for something, a rainy day, i.e. security. It can be an investment. It can be a project. It can be uh, putting it back into your art, but don't just sit on it. Allow that energy to flow. But most importantly, remember that cash is not the only thing of value. So if you want to create something or if you want to generate something, you have other things that are of value that can be used to help you get that thing or to give that thing. So you've got your time, you've got your expertise, You've got a bunch of other resources. You've got your enthusiasm. You've got your, your, you know, your skills, your level of training. All those things can add value. So don't think just because you haven't got money that you can't still generate the things that you want to in your career. And soon, if it's what you want, those things can be turned into money. All right, you guys, that is it. 
we have, I think, completed big style on money. <laughs> I never thought I'd be recording for quite this long on this topic. But the funny thing is, as I was preparing for it, I was getting palpitations. I was so excited to be able to talk about this and I could feel there was so much I wanted to share with you because I really have gone on a journey of coming from a household where there was very little money, um, having a regular income and squandering it all. I've been broke, brokenly broke, 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 and I've had a lot of money. You know, I've been through all these different areas. And so I hope that what I've shared with you, the thoughts that I've laid down, the um, techniques that I've offered will be of value for you. But most of all, I hope that in terms of a mindset, I've given you something to consider and that will be of value to you when you look at your own personal financial situation. Thank you to all the amazing people that have contributed to these set of um, episodes. So first of all, thank you to Roisin, to Thaddea, to uh, Shlomo, SK Shlomo and Lucian who have given their bite-sized advice on money and working for free and just how to make uh, money work for us. Thank you to Martin, Anya uh, and Titus who also gave their um, listener comments on, on the topic as well. Thank you for sharing so honestly as well because your sharing made this uh, made these episodes possible. Thank you to you guys for listening and to your generous contributions on Acast, on Patreon and on Cameo. And if you are still dithering uh, this in the context of these episodes on money, now is the time to just drop some love into my Acast support tin, my little donation tin, right? Because this is a conversation about money. Um, But thank you to those who have just like commented and shown their support and their feet, given their feedback. It is all so, so valued. Martin, the producer, thank you so much for this amazing edit. Rob C, thank you as always for the music. Thank you guys for listening. Next time, we are going to be talking about our other major league resource, time. Until then, keep creating, keep living in gratitude, and I will see you again soon. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. 
If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.